Good evening. Uh, I always feel like, uh, or not always, but sometimes I hear our brother Russ say as he uh, spoke this morning about stewardship, uh, when he starts off his messages, sometimes he'll say that he feels that the meeting before, maybe the breaking of bread, or uh, the person who was speaking kind of uh, laid out a lot of the things that he was going to speak about, and I feel like he did that to me this morning. Uh, he uh, had a lot of similar passages and thoughts, and uh, this evening I wanted to uh, think of holy behavior, and we're, we're going to be in First Peter chapter 1, First Peter chapter 1. Holy behavior. And this might not have so much to do with holy behavior, but yesterday, Rachel and I were able to witness my high school friend uh, tie the knot uh, with uh, his now wife. <clears throat> and it was a, a great reminder for us of the vows that we had made almost a, a little over a year ago. Our, our one-year anniversary passed about three weeks ago, and it was a great reminder of you know, when you make those vows, uh, when you, you're, you're saying these things before the Lord, that uh, you will cherish your wife, that you will protect her, and uh, you say all these things, and now, you know, you have to live it out. And in Ephesians, it says, you're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And it just, uh, you know, it stirs up conversation, and uh, you have to revisit all these thoughts that you had as you walked the aisle, or um, as she walked the aisle towards me. And um, it was just a, a wonderful uh, time that we had uh, last night uh, to remember those things. And so, First Peter chapter 1, and just uh, for a little bit of review um, on what happened, I think it's been a while since I uh, was in First Peter. So, uh, we're talking, First Peter, when you look at the introduction, it's very similar to the Pauline epistles, and Peter... Oftentimes we think of him as a rash, outspoken man. But when you read First Peter and Second Peter, you realize that this is a man who's been with the Lord Jesus. And he speaks, he says some profound things in these letters. So you really have to pay attention while you're reading these things. Um, Peter is uh, by no means an ignorant fisherman, but he's a knowledgeable fisher of man, of men. He gives encouragement to the saints, and uh, we're not sure if, uh, depending on when this letter was written, if the persecution of Nero has begun or it's about to begin. And the backdrop is that uh, there is about, they're, they're about to face persecution, these saints in uh, Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey. And one of the things he, he says is in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we'll jump back, verse 11, and it's just, this is just, a, I feel, a good a few verses for the backdrop of persecution that Peter is about to share with the saints, uh, these aliens that are abroad. He says in verse 11, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength with God, which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
Verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the, to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. And so uh, normally I would think that that should be maybe more in the front. And he does talk a little bit about trials in the, the first few verses. <clears throat> but I just wanted to read that because I think it's a great encouragement for us. That we, I, I feel sometimes in, in the U.S., we're blessed. And when, we're, when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we feel like maybe a sense of, of deserving of, of some of the blessings and things. And not to say that we shouldn't be play, praying for these things. And not to say we shouldn't expect things from the Lord. But here it clearly says that we're, they're going to be facing trials. You can expect it. And I was talking to someone recently, and I'm sure this is something that you may have heard, is how did they treat the Lord Jesus Christ while, oh, while he was on this earth? How did, how did they treat him? What did they say to him all the way up to the point where he went to the cross? And when we look at the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he went through all the way to the cross, are we, do we, can we expect to live a, a cush, easy life where we don't face any issues or trials? I really don't think so. Um, and I just wanted to, for context's sake, I know that I, I did give you a little review, but in the latter portions of First Peter chapter 1, there's some great encouragement there. I don't think I'll be able to get to that point, so I just wanted to read First Peter chapter 1 uh, for our encouragement. And before I do that, um, I just want to look to the Lord. Heavenly Father, uh, this evening, we look to you. We look to you for guidance. We look to you for wisdom. We realize that apart from you, we really can't do anything. Father, we might try to use the wisdom of man to try and understand these things, but it's really only you as your Holy Spirit leads and gives us wisdom. We pray these, that these things would be so, that you would give us wisdom this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. First Peter chapter 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. As to the salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace 
that will come to you make careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. Verse 13, Therefore prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges, according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ, for he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that, you, so that your faith and hope are in God. Verse 22, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, Fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. I want to go back to verse 13. And in verse 13, you see the actions we are asked to fulfill. One is to prepare, the second is to keep, and the third is to fix. Well, I wanted to give you context of what, from verse 13, what's before it. And there's a therefore. Because of all that was written up to verse 12, therefore, what are we supposed to do? This is the encouragement that Peter is trying to give to the saints. Prepare your minds for action. Or in another version, gird your minds for action. To understand this, I think we have to look back at, in those times, what they would normally wear. Their, you know, every day what they would wear is, they would probably wear long robes, men. And these long robes, would you can't really run fast in them. You can't really, you know, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's probably a good thing to have it all the way down because dust kicks up and things like that while you're walking around. But I have a theory is that when we think about Peter running to the tomb of Christ after he heard the news, I think he was in shock and awe and wonder. And so he forgot to pull up his robe and gird it. But John, he, was, he pulled up his robe and girded it, and that's why he beat Peter to the tomb. That's just a theory of mine. But, you know, we read that John outran Peter to the tomb. Well, prepare your minds for action. 
Um, I love sports, so I, I use a lot of sports an analogy in just a, the way I think about scripture and um, when I uh, teach it. And right now there's uh, the basketball and hockey playoffs, and I don't know if any of you are watching these things. But as an athlete, you, a lot of the athletes, they'll, they'll wear their suits, they'll wear their nice clothes, dress shoes, slacks, when they're going to the stadium. But once they're at the stadium, once they're preparing for the game to get on the field, on the court, if you're a basketball player, you're going to put on your shoes, tie them tight. If you need a brace, put on your basketball socks, your jersey, and all of that. If you're a football player, you're going to put on, or excuse me, a hockey player, you're going to put on your, your pads. You're going to put everything on so that you're prepared. No hockey player is going to forget his, his pads and go into the game, right? I mean, that's, that's suicide. Why would you? I mean, you're, you're asking for it. Well, in the same way, I know that this is physical preparation that I'm speaking of, but there's a mental preparation that Peter is trying to relay to the saints, that we're supposed to prepare our minds for action. Well, this... In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says you're supposed to, we're supposed to renew our minds. We're not supposed to be conformed to this world, but to, we're supposed to renew our minds. And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell or think on these things. So as we're preparing our minds for action, if you're an athlete, <clears throat> excuse me, and you're preparing for this playoff game, you're not going to let your mind wander about, I can't wait to watch that next episode of some, whatever show, or I really can't wait to watch this movie. He's not thinking about those things. He's thinking about what's in front of him, the, the game that he's about to play. And for us, when Peter is talking to the saints, he has just exhorted them about the hope that they have, a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because they have something that's imperishable because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, for us, we have to understand, we have to prepare our minds there's a lot of distractions that go on in this world. There's a lot of things that, I mean, I remember Joe Reese and his message about his, he was sitting in the breaking of bread and there was a thought that he really didn't want to be there, but it came to his mind. And I think that, has, that probably happens to a lot of us. And we have to prepare our minds. We know that we're in battle. We're not fighting us against flesh and blood. The next thing he says is to keep sober in spirit. Well, what's the purpose of keeping sober in spirit? Obviously, it's not, this is not talking about uh, drinking too much and uh, hanging, being buzzed, but if you read in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, it says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit. For what? For the purpose of prayer. And he, he mentioned the being sober in spirit a few times. 
And in chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. It's hard in this life. We cannot follow the leading of the Spirit if we have pride in our life, if we have anger, jealousy, bitterness, and other characteristics that are not of the Lord. I mean, those things can take over our lives. I mean, I think of how, I mean, there's, I, at my own workplace at the post office, you see, I see all the gossip happening. All, I mean, there's, Grudges that are being held. I don't know how long it's been that they're holding these grudges, but this is all they can think about. This is all they talk about. For us as believers, we're supposed to be sober in spirit and fixing our hope completely on the grace to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 through 18, it says, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all compar comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And when we understand that everything in this world, it's temporal. Everything is decaying. You know, uh, Rachel and I were blessed to be living in a brand new home. But there's already signs of things sort of falling apart. You know, that's, that's what happens is in this world. The wages of sin is death. There is clear evidence for that, the fact that the wages of sin is death all over us. We, we see death happening all over. We see plants dying. We see all sorts of things. I mean, this building isn't going to be here forever. And there's a continued maintenance aspect of it, right? That we want to try to maintain it. The hope, I looked up the hope, or what de definitions of hope. And in the Webster's Dictionary, it says to cherish a desire with anticipation, excuse me, to desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment, to expect with confidence. I like that. To expect with confidence. And it says we're supposed to fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, we think of faith defined in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conv conviction of things not seen. It's not some thought that we have that maybe it's going to happen. We know, based on the word of God, that it's going to happen. It's a hope that we know an expectation that we have. We have a confidence, not in ourselves, not in our own works, but in the Lord Jesus Christ, because he's the one who resurrected. That's what it said in, in verse 5, verse 4 and verse 5. Excuse me, verse 3. And we need to understand that our hope isn't based on a future eternal life that we have in Christ, but eternal life that begins when we trust Christ here and now. I think sometimes as believers, we have a tendency to think, kind of push off our service for the Lord. And we think, you know, we're really going to worship the Lord in glory one day. 
You know, but, but for us in our everyday life, we, we worship the Lord on Sundays. We worship the Lord here and there. But is it a continuous, every day, every moment worship of the Lord? Because to be honest, as Russ was talking about it this morning, we're going to be doing it for all eternity. And if we're not enjoying it right here and right now, to be able to worship the Lord for what He's done for us, you know, you think of the song of, uh, if you had a, a pen and all the, the oceans were an ink and the skies were a parchment, that even writing all of that, you couldn't, it couldn't contain the whole. It's not enough for all that the Lord has done for us. And how can we hold back on our worship in our day-to-day lives? I think, you know, it's so easy to caught up at work. I have to do this. I have to do that. Totally forgetting maybe to pray for the salvation of a coworker. Totally forgetting to pray for, for your own personal testimony before your coworkers. <coughs> Excuse me. When, you, when I think of the word fix your hope completely on the grace, our hope finds its validation through God's word, which confirms everything we need to know here on this earth. And it's not wandering or wishful thinking. And this is a thought that I had about, you know, my Chicago Cubs just won the World Series. And it's not, and this is not a prediction by any means, but it's, it's being, for me, maybe at this point, being fully confident that the Cubs will win the World Series again. It's, that's the mindset that we're supposed to have. That we know for certain that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come. There's going to be a revelation of Jesus Christ, and we're supposed to fix our hope completely on Him, on the grace that is found in Him. The, re- the revelation of Jesus Christ, it could mean a couple things. One is that Jesus is revealed in glory in his second coming. Or two, it could be referring to the grace given to the saints, saints excuse me, when they're raptured and not having to experience the tribulation. A benefit of fixing our hope completely on the Lord is 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. And it says this, And everyone who has his hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. That's going to be helpful as we look to the next few verses. Everyone who has his hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. How do we fix, you know, how do we hope in him and and fix our eyes on him. Well, one of the things that I've done, and I may have shared this before with you, is that I have uh, a brother a long time ago encouraged me to write in my Bible this quote. This book will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from this book. And maybe some of you have that written in your Bibles. And it's, it's such a true statement that in order to gaze our eyes on him, To understand more about the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to go to his word. We have to read it. We have to meditate on it. Verse 14. As obedient children, 
Do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. As children of God, we should desire to obey him. As our heavenly father who told us, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, obey your father and mother. And there's a promise that goes with it. There's long life promise with that. But this is a promise given from our heavenly father. So how much more should we be obedient to him? I know that as we continue on, um, I think about in my own life, being obedient, it's, it's really not easy, you know? It's a, it's a struggle as you're growing up because your parents are telling you one thing, you really want to do this, but they're telling you either no or you need to do something else. And there's this conflict in your mind. And to be honest, you think that they're holding you back. They're not, they're not trying to help you. They're actually, you know, they're stopping you from having fun. And I think when, as you get older, you realize, wow, my parents had, had my best interests at heart. When they gave me instruction, when they told me to do something, they're not, they're not trying to, to take away my fun. They're, they're trying to help me grow. They're trying to help me learn. And I think that's something that, as obedient children, what does Peter tell the aliens in Asia Minor? He says, do not be conformed to the former lusts which are yours in your ignorance. We're, we're going through the book of 1 Samuel, and we just went over the part where the Lord commanded Saul to destroy all the Amalekites. But was he obedient? No. He disobeyed the Lord. He spared the king. There was the sound of sheep bleeding in the background. And Samuel comes to Saul, and he tells him, to obey is better than sacrifice. Sometimes I think we get caught up in the motions and in, in, in being at the meetings, in, in coming to the meetings and sitting here, but then we lack the obedience. We lack the part where we're supposed to put into action and say, Lord, I understand your word, and I'm going to follow it. And it says, do not be conformed to the former lusts which are yours in your ignorance. Conformed is used one other time in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which I quoted earlier. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The former lust in your ignorance, other versions, NIV says, the evil desires you had. The New Living Translation says, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. The King James says, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts. You know, we, it talks about how in Scripture we have, we're a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. We're supposed to live understanding the fact that the Holy Spirit resides in us. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can live a Christ-centered life. Now, the former lust is speaking of a time before one is born again. In Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 and verse 10 and 11 says this, If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive, 
because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. As believers, here it says, we have the spirit of God in us. We have the power of God in us. I just wanted to read off in Romans chapter 1 some of the things that we are supposed to avoid. The sin. Romans chapter 1, verse 28 through 31 says, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind, to those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. And these are some things that maybe Peter is trying to emphasize to them, that you're not supposed to fall back to your former life. These things that were prevalent in your life, that people would see, you know, I look back in my own life, and uh, sometimes uh, when I say this, uh, Rachel will say, you really? You really like that? Because, uh, not to uh, toot my own horn, but... Um, I used to be very quick-tempered. And I used to get angry about everything. And the Lord changed my heart. And these are things that, you know, as a believer, as someone who has trusted Christ, these things change. And I'm not saying it happened overnight. But it takes time to change. The Lord changes your heart as you look to Him, as you prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit, fixing your hope completely on the grace that's to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Another list you'll see is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 25, where we see the comparison of someone who is led by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are listed, and also there's a list that you, really, you don't want to be displayed in your life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. If the Holy Spirit resides in us, upon salvation, we're not ignorant anymore. But in a way, we're deliberately disobeying God when we conform to our former lusts. We have the power of the Holy Spirit residing within us. And this is not to say that there's some possibility that you can avoid sin for the rest of your life? I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. Because we're still here on this sin-ridden earth, and there's still going to be sin that happens in our life. But, as believers, we can rely on the Holy Spirit, the power of God, to help us resist sin and lust that overpowered us frequently and much more before our conversion. Verse 15, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, 
for I am holy. This verse in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 4, uh, that's where it's taken from. You shall be holy as I am holy. And it's in context, if you read a Leviticus chapter 11, it's talking about all the laws, the eating laws, the rules that were placed on the Israelites that God had for them. And these weren't rules that were to uh, take away uh, their enjoyment of eating, but he wanted to show that the Israelites were his chosen people. They were set apart, set apart. They were sanctified. And so when they followed the law, they were actually showing forth the character of God and the fact that they were God's chosen people set apart. And it's really a, a perfect reference for Peter to use because all of the law was given for the Israelites' sanctification to be set apart, holy for the Lord, because they were surrounded by pagan nations. All around them, all these people were serving and worshiping idols, whether it was idols that were figurines or uh, gods that were maybe um, just part of nature, whatever they were worshiping, they were not to be a part of it, and they were to show who they were really worshiping, the living God, Yahweh. And when Peter mentions this to the aliens scattered abroad, they're probably experiencing, if not already, persecution, then they're experiencing pressure because they're in a foreign nation, a foreign country, and the pressure is to conform to the communities in that nation and where they lived. And the reminder Peter gives to the saints is to rejoice greatly because our focus is to be, is to be successful for Jesus Christ. So that the praise, glory, and honor will all go directly, not, not at us, but to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be holy because we are adopted, we're called into the family of God. One of the things that really jumps out is we're supposed to be holy in all our behavior. Things, whenever I see the word all, it really just always gets me because when, when, you, when you are in darkness, and a light is shined in the darkness. You're able to see. And as believers, we're not in darkness anymore. We're able to see. We're able to see and look at everything that's going on in our life. How we react in every situation that's going on. How do we respond? And we, I have to say in honesty, my life when I look at it, it's not, it's not all holy. My behavior isn't holy all the time. How do we even get to that point? What does that even mean? Well, it's quite simple, yet at times very difficult. To know how to be holy as God is holy requires us to know God's, what, the, what God's word says. I think I was talking with a buddy of mine. And talking to her about the importance of knowing the Word of God. Because if you know the Word of God, what, what the question was is, how do I choose a church that I'm supposed to go to? How do I figure that out? And I, I told her, you have to understand 
What is a church? What's the purpose of church? What does the Word of God say about all these things? I don't want to just tell it to you. I want you to go in the Word of God and find it for yourself. Because you'll realize that when you go to the Word of God, when you understand God's holiness, His righteousness, exactly what the Word of God says in the New Testament about how the New Testament pattern meeting is supposed to look like, then you'll be able to figure out where, where am I supposed to be? When we look at God's word, when we read it, when we meditate on it, we begin to get a better grasp and understanding of who God is, of how we're supposed to live our lives. We are to be set apart from sin and to be sanctified unto God. How can we be holy in all our behavior? We read it in 1 John 3, 3, that there is a purifying effect when we our, our hope is fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm chapter 1, verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. If we're, <clears throat> think about it like this, if we are constantly praying, reading the word of God, meditating on the word of God, it's, it's hard. The quote that I, I, I read earlier, it's hard to turn away from the Lord and to sin. It's harder. Not to say it's impossible. But when you're looking at the Lord Jesus Christ, wanting to please Him, it's easier to obey His will, to see His will for our lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification. So he who re rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives His Holy Spirit to you. So basically... When our former lust is, is rearing its ugly head in our lives, is being displayed, it's basically a, 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 a rejecting of the, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I just wanted to end with this final passage, and I, hopefully it'll be an encouragement to you as I read it. Colossians chapter 3. Just bear with me, it, it might be, go a little long, but this is the word of God. So Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with, with its evil practices, and have put, put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, 
barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I pray that uh, these words would be an encouragement to you this evening. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we realize that we are coming before a holy, righteous, and awesome God. We look at the New Testament and how not everyone could enter into your presence. But Father, we are now in a time where we can come, we can lift up our prayers, our requests to you, we can talk to you and you speak to us through your word. And Father, we just ask this evening that we would look into your word, that we would go to your word, that we would not neglect it. And Father, that our hope would be fixed on the grace that is coming. The one, our Savior, our dear Savior, the one who paid it all for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. We await his coming. Help us to watch and wait and to live lives that are pleasing to you, that we would be holy as you are holy, and to understand what that means and how to apply that to our lives. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.